Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. I am so excited. We are finishing our Made for This series today. It's going to be fantastic today. We're doing something a little different, so if it's your first time here today, uh, don't be alarmed if all of a sudden the band starts to play, okay? It's all part of the gig. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of an interactive message today. We're going to have, uh, we're going to go back into worship for, uh, sing a couple of songs. Today is just kind of a culmination of all six weeks of our Made for This series, uh, and it's going to be really, really good. Uh, so, uh, again, if you're, it's your first time here today, I want to welcome you. My name's Ryan, and my beautiful wife uh, was here earlier, and we just love Love City Church. We love Jesus, and we love doing this with y'all. So, we're going to have a great day today uh, talking about made for this. Now, the idea of this series is that you and I have a, an intrinsic purpose on this planet, but many of us are searching for this purpose, Many of us will go on many different uh, personal uh, searching, search, searching in our life, trying to find out what this purpose is all about. And in reality, I'm here to tell you today, I know your purpose. I know why you were created. I know why God made you. I know why God wired you. I know what the purpose of God for your life is today. So I have good news for you. You came at a right day to hear exactly why God put you on this planet. God created you, he made you, and he designed you not just to live on this planet, he designed you to have a relationship with him. And the way you and I have a relationship with God is through worshiping him, through giving our lives to him, through giving our hearts to him, our finances to him, giving our families to him by exalting God in every area of our lives. And so we've been on this journey trying to understand a little bit more about what this worship thing is all about. If you type into Google, what is my purpose, you get 1.1 billion different results. There's a lot of people searching for this, a lot of people looking for this reality. And I want you to know that many of us have these moments in our life where we have these aha moments. Where we're like, oh, that's what I was made for. Oh, that's my purpose. But as you know, those things over time seem to dissipate. Over time, I feel disconnected. Over time, I feel far from God. Over time, I feel like this isn't quite it. Why didn't I figure that out? And the reason is, is because you were created with God in mind. You were created for eternity. You were created to have a relationship with God. And ultimately, if we don't learn how to worship God the way the Bible teaches us to worship Him, we could miss out on the fulfillment that God actually desires for our lives. And so we've been looking at this and talking through it today. And so it's going to be a bit of an interactive message. Jessie's going to be preaching with me today. Come on, somebody give her a hand today. She preached last week and did a killer job. And then James and the team is going to be leading with us today. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's get into it today. So in the Bible, which is what we're going to preach from today, we're going to talk from the Bible today, there are, the word praise is used 347 times. Now, the, the word praise is actually articulated out of those 347 times, they are br brought down into seven different Hebrew words that define the same word praise. So we see a majority of this word praise used in the book of Psalms, which is the book that David wrote the majority of. And we, we don't see a lot of uh, talk about praise in the New Testament. And we see one verse in Colossians that says that we should sing songs and, and sing psalms and sing spiritual songs. But the reason they often didn't talk about it very much was because the early church, the New Testament church, got all of their doctrine, if I can use that word, all of their understanding of how to worship God from the book of Psalms. And so we look at the book of Psalms to understand what was the original intention for how we are to worship God. What does it look like? What does it mean? And we, we, we can't really use our personal preference or our religious upbringing or our denominational understanding. We have to go back to what the Bible teaches, what the New Testament church used to understand how are we supposed to worship God. So look at this scripture in Psalms 102, 18. Let this be written for future generations so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. So he's, this scripture here is saying that this is not just for one generation. This isn't just for one season of people. This is something that goes on from generation 
to generation to generation to generation. Let it be written for future generations so that the people not yet born will praise the Lord. So we're actually giving you today something that I pray is new revelation. Some of you have heard this before. But at the end of the day, I'm praying that you'll leave today saying, oh my gosh, I now know what it looks like to exalt and praise the living creator God who came to earth. His name is Jesus Christ. And he died on a cross for your sins and my sins. He rose on the third day conquered death and he's God and lives in heaven and has a plan for your life now we can know how to exalt and glorify and honor this God because this was intended to happen for generation upon generation look at this in Psalms 145 great is the Lord and most worthy of praise there's the word his greatness no one can fathom one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty and remarkable acts so what should praise look like? What should worship look like? Now we're going to look at really in general across the board for your life, but there is a bit of a context of the local church, a context of what it looks like in this room, but it also plays out to your life and your car and your home and your work and all those things. But I want to bring it today, kind of the idea of what does it look like for you and I? What are some of the things we do to worship God? Now, I want you to read this, this phrase out loud. We don't give God, I'm going to start, one, two, three, read together. We don't give God praise based on our preferences, personality type, or current mood. We give God praise based on who He is and in the ways that He has designed and instructed in His Word. Amen? So I don't know if you know this, but in the dark and Middle Ages is when we lost singing, loudness, shouting, clapping, dancing, all of these things that we understand from the Psalms, we, we lost those things in the dark and Middle Ages. So prior to the dark and Middle Ages, prior to even in, in about uh, AD 347 or so, uh, a man named Constantine became a follower of Jesus because he saw a vision of the cross and his response was to make, uh, to make the state religion Christianity. And this is when we learn about Roman Catholicism. It came into play, and throughout the years, Roman Catholicism started with an, an endeavor to bring God to earth, and it had great intention and great motivation. But over time, in the dark and Middle Ages, what happened was is that the, the monks or the priests were the only ones who would sing the prayers and the songs on behalf of the people. And so over time, People stopped singing out loud. They stopped clapping. They stopped shouting. They stopped bowing. They stopped worshiping the Lord through song. And it became the holy person's responsibility to sing on behalf of the people. And so the priest would sing. He generally played organ. And then over time, they would choose select holy people in the congregation who could come and be in the choir. And then over time, what happened was is that they now believed that women were not allowed to sing at all. Hello. And so they asked all the women to be quiet. And now that's why you see in the, in the church today, not our church, but in the, the, maybe even the Roman Catholic church, why there's only men or boys who are singing because somewhere along the way, they no longer allowed women to have a voice in the church. And so we see over time what's happened is, is that there's been a, a, a removal of what was originally in the New Testament church, in the local church, in God's church. When he started the church, there was singing and dancing and shouting and clapping and all these things. But over time, something changed. And then it went from many people to one person. And so today, we come to a place now in our church where we worship based on our preference we worship based on our personality type. We worship based on our denomination. We worship based on our church experience. We worship based on our current mood. And I just want to encourage you with this today. That's not how God intended us to worship. Right. He actually very clearly teaches us in the Bible, in the book of Psalms, what worship looks like. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Seven Hebrew words that talk about praise that will change the way you worship. Come on, put your hands together. Let's welcome Jessie as she comes. Sorry, my hands are All right. So the first word we're going to look at today is yada. Can you guys say it with me? Yada. Perfect. And so we see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and 21. Pastor Ryan spoke from this passage a couple of weeks ago, and so we have to remember that it's at a point in time where three armies were coming against the nation of Israel, and so King Jehoshaphat, he had to make a battle plan. 
Okay, impossible situation. And this is what it says. And when he had, King Jehoshaphat, consulted the people, he appointed those who should, who should sing to the Lord, who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And this word praise, it may, may seem like pretty simple, like, oh, that's, that's all you have to do is praise, but it's so specific. It's the Hebrew word yada which comes from the root word yad, which means hand. Okay, so yada is specifically to praise the Lord in stretching out your hands and confessing who he is. That's the battle plan that they, that they had. So yada, to stretch out the hand and confess who God is. Okay, and when you go before an army and you're stretching out your hand, it kind of looks like, what, what would you think? Surrender, totally. Or you see in the movies when some punks, you know, doing some like graffiti and the cops come, they like put their hands, okay, I surrender, you know? <laughs> so it's an act of surrender, okay? But they're not surrendering, surrendering to their enemy. They're surrendering their situation to God. Okay, so good. And maybe you said, I'm not a hand raiser. I come from a background where none of the people in my church were hand raisers, just the pastor's wife. She was going a little crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> So good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. But it's described in the Bible. We're commanded to worship God this way. And it's not a harsh commanding, do this or I'm going to be mad at you or you're going to miss the mark. But God just doesn't want us to miss out on a revelation of who he is. That's it. His heart is for us to experience him. Okay. So Psalm 118 verse 21 says, I will praise you. For you have answered me and have become my salvation. I will give a yada to you. So how many of you, by the show of hands, would say that God is your salvation? Wow, awesome, that's a yada. God, you're my salvation. So easy, right? It's not so hard, right? It's so natural. And another definition of yada is to throw. I like this one, to throw a rock or a stone with the intent of it hitting its mark. Okay, so you have a target in mind and you're throwing something, so it's going to hit it. Okay, and I love that. So it's like in our situation, we can surrender our situation up to God. We're not just throwing up our hands up like, I don't know what's going to happen, but we're throwing up our situation to God in surrender with the intent that it's going to land in his hands. Okay, so we're going to, yada, we're going to throw up our hands. It's raising our hands in confession of who God is and surrendering to him. It's saying, God, you're faithful. God, your provider, even though the situation doesn't lend to that, even though I can't see it, but I'm going to throw the situation up and I'm going to surrender it. And I'm going to say, God, you are my salvation. So good. So it's a choice. Got to throw it up. Remember when David said, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel negative? Okay, but even still, I will yada, I will praise the Lord. So good. Though my soul doesn't feel like it, though my emotions are sad and they're crappy, I will surrender the situations and I will lift my hand and I will confess who God is. So good. So let's look at our next word. It's tauda. Can you guys say it with me? Tauda. Awesome. And so this is raising our hands again in worship, but it's a response of thankfulness for what God has done in your life. Okay, so it's a, an extension of our hand in praise when we're already thankful. Okay, so we're thankful for God in our heart, and we feel it, and we're like, God, you're so good. A miracle happened this week, or man, I'm having a great week. Everything's going according to plan. I'm so thankful we can throw our hands up and extend our heart of gratitude with our hands and say, God, it's you I'm thankful for. Not this thing, not that thing, not myself, but it's you yeah. I'm thankful for. Amen. Check out Psalm 104. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, with a tauda, and into its courts with praise. Be thankful, give a yada to him, and bless his name. So with thanksgiving, I'm coming into the presence of God, already feeling thankful, already feeling so joyful. So I'm going to lift my hands and say it's because of God who you are. I'm going to extend my heart with my hands and saying, God, it's because of you. Or maybe we're coming to the house of God and coming to a place of worship and we're not feeling it. We can still raise our hands in the gratitude and say, God, I'm thankful for what I know you have done, even though I don't feel it. So I'm going to confess who you are, even though I don't feel it. Okay, so why don't we just stand for a moment and let's just practice this. Can you just throw your hands in the air? Just start confessing who God is. God, you're so good. Come in Thanksgiving. God, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You're so good. 
seated sit down all you crazy people put your hands in the air it's weird <laughs> just kidding come on the third one here today we're going to talk about today is shabak someone say shabak turn to your neighbor and say shabak if you're single and you do that to the person next to you that's not going to get you a date shabak the word shabak uh, means to shout means to be loud, to be triumph, to triumph and rejoice in a loud tone. Kind of like I talk normally. <laughs> a shout, a shout to God, a voice, a voice of triumph. We just sang that song. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. Yeah. A shout. Psalms 117.1. Uh, Praise the Lord. So shout to the Lord, all you nations. Praise him. Shout to him, all you people of the earth. So we see that verse there. All the people of the earth, not just the holy rollers, not just the really religious people, not just the ones who've really experienced God or the kind of the, the wacky ones or the crazy ones. No, no, look at that. All you people of the earth, yeah. every person, Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Look at this, Psalms 47.1. Come on, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph and songs of joy. Okay, just for a second, right in your seat, don't move. Everyone, put your hands together. Come on. Come on, right now, right now we're shabaking. Come on, give a shout. Amen. God, you're good. God, you're awesome. Come on, you're an awesome God. Okay, okay. Man, you guys are so crazy today. Just chill out. That's a shabak. You know, sometimes if you're new here and you watch me up front, you think that guy is nuts. I want you to know I'm trying to model for you what I think is a biblical expression of worship. So sometimes I say, amen. Come on, God. You're a faithful God. And people are like, dang, he's yelling. What's he yelling for? I'm just trying to model this voice of triumph for you that it is a part of worship. Now, don't be weird now. Say weird stuff. I love Starbucks! <laughs> Don't do that. We're shouting about God and for God. Don't be weird. But we're going to look at a verse here in Psalm 71. response. John, be quiet, please. <laughs> Just did a baby that a good version, bro. <laughs> Psalm 71 is talking about uh, an act of our will before an emotional response. Sometimes they say, well, I'm not going to shout unless I feel it. Well, actually, I think the biblical response is we shout until we feel it. And so shouting isn't something you feel. And so Psalm 71, the, the, the context around this verse is that uh, his son Absalom was trying to take his throne from him. He just became king. His son Absalom was trying to take his throne from him. His enemies are surrounding him. He's getting kind of old, so his strength's failing him. Uh, things are going terribly wrong. And David begins to worship in the midst of this hopeless situation. In Psalm 71, 23, I will. Everyone say will. Yeah. I will shout for joy. Thank you for repeating, but don't do it again. I will shout for joy. I will shout for joy. I'm not going to shout for sadness. I'm not going to shout for depression. I'm sure not going to shout for my anxiety. I am going to shout for joy. I need joy. God, I need your presence in my life. God, I love you. God, you're faithful. I'm going to shout for joy, and I'm going to sing praises for you have ransomed me, David, is shouting, and you're seeing it's most effective when you're feeling like things aren't going very well, and you feel like, man, am I going to lose my job, or man, my, my husband and, and I are, are, are fighting in the, and yelling at each other in the unhealthy way. I'm just, next time I get a father and wife, I'm like, she's like, you know, you always do this. I'm like, praise God. <laughs> you're a good God. Just kidding. That would be awesome, but it'd be a little weird. You want to shout sometimes when you least expect it, when you least feel it, when your emotions don't settle up to it. You say, okay, I don't know what the situation's happening, but I'm going to shout, God, you're a good God. God, you're an awesome God. God, I declare you are faithful. Come on, look at this in Psalms 139, or 132.9. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your godly ones 
Shout for joy. So why do we shout? Does God just really like all that noise? Well, I do think he likes the noise. I do think he likes it. But also it's because when you shout, guess what happens? You scatter your enemies. When you shout, your enemy routes. They run. When you shout, it's like there was a time when my daughter, a guy was kind of leading her astray. It was really weird at a playground. I've told us before, but he kind of led her around this corner. I said, hey, you, back up. I'm shouting to my enemy. You better back yourself up, brother. I'm going to break your knees. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Sometimes you got to shout because when you're facing something difficult in your life, your shout is the only thing that's going to remind the enemy that I am a child of God. You're not allowed to touch my daughter. You can't touch my son. You can't touch my family. Nope, you won't do it. My God is faithful. And sometimes you got to shout. There's an interesting scripture, 2 Chronicles chapter 13. It's an amazing story. There's a battle scene. Imagine for a moment a massive battle scene. And in this battle scene, there's the, uh, the, 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 the godly king, Abijah, and he's leading the people of God. And then there's the evil king led by an evil, evil king and people named Jeroboam. And Abijah is facing this massive army. And Abijah leads his people out in front of this big army that's facing in front of him. And he stands up and Abijah starts speaking these words out. Look what he says in this verse in 2 Chronicles 13.8. Do you really think you can stand against the kingdom of the Lord that is led by the descendants of David? You may have a vast army and you have those gold calves that Jeroboam made as your gods. But as for us, the Lord is our God and we have not abandoned him. So you see, God is with us. He's our leader. His priests blow their trumpets and lead us into battle against you. For you will not succeed. Abijah is just talking trash to Jeroboam. He's like, man, my God's going to take you out, dog. Like you got nothing on me. Have you seen my army? Have you seen my God? But while he's talking trash to Jeroboam, what he doesn't know is that Jeroboam had sent people around behind the people of God to rout them, to, to flank them from behind. Look what it says in the scripture. Meanwhile, Jeroboam had secretly sent a part of his army around behind the men of Judah to ambush them. So they're talking trash to their enemy and their enemy's about to outwit them. Look what happens in the scripture. When Judah and the people of God realized that they were being attacked from the front and from the rear, they cried out to the Lord for help and then the priests blew the trumpets and the men of Judah began to shout. I got the enemy in the front of me. Oh my gosh, I did not expect. I thought, I thought my marriage was going good. I was shouting my enemy about my relationship with my wife and little did I know the enemy was attacking my kids. Man, I was trying to get my investments right and my, my finances straight and do to make the right decisions and little did I know that, that there was a loss of a job coming up the pike and I didn't prepare for it. They're facing an enemy ahead of them and behind them. They said, well, we got nothing else left. Ah! God, you're a faithful God. You're so good, God. They're in the front of us. They're behind us. God, I don't know what to do in this situation, but you are a faithful God. You are victorious, God. Oh, look what the scripture says. <laughs> Verse 15. And at the sound of their battle cry, God defeated Jeroboam. I love this because it doesn't even really tell you how. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why my son started listening to me, but he just is. I have no idea why I got a promotion instead of got fired. I don't know. I just like how it's working out for me. And what did they do? They shouted. Some of you have not shouted in a long time. You're like, no. <laughs> Got to muster up some courage and know that God has called you to shout with a victory knowing I am a son and daughter of the Most High God. The enemy has no weapon formed against me shall prosper. My God is a faithful God. And it says in the scripture that when they shouted, God routed. When they shouted, the enemies ran. They ran, they ran, they ran, they ran. Your enemy will run if you remind him who's standing behind you. My king and my God, you ain't coming near my family. Heck no, you're not coming near us. There's a scripture in Matthew called the triumphal, uh, triumphal entry. It's the Palm Sunday when Jesus came into Jerusalem before he was crucified. And as they came in, it says in the scripture that the crowds uh, that went ahead of him, that those that followed, shouted, Hosanna, O son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. People are just, just shouting, Jesus is God. You're, you're, Hosanna in the highest heaven. Just a few verses later, look what it says in verse 15. It says, but when the chief priests and the teachers of the law, for you don't, those of you who don't know who that is, that's the religious people. 
when the religious people saw the wonderful things that God was doing and the people were shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. I can't believe that these people would bring themselves to shout about Jesus. can't believe that in the temple of the Most High God, the people would be so undone to raise their voice and shout to this man named Jesus and call him the son of David. They were indignant. Be careful that religion doesn't keep you from experiencing breakthrough in your life. And look what Jesus quoted to these religious people in Psalms chapter 8. Look at this verse. You're going to love this, guys. You ready? Band's going to start playing. We're going to read this verse. Look at this. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This is what Jesus said to these religious people. The kind of praise that has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Shouting. These people are shouting about how good I am. He says, that's the kind of praise that is the power to walk up to the enemy of your life and say, uh, shut your mouth. Strength rises up with the chorus of singing children. This kind of praise is the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppose you. There's a shout in every one of us and we're gonna get an opportunity to let it out. Wanna stand to your feet? We're gonna sing a song together this morning. Come on, you ready to worship? Come on, we're gonna sing a great song. Let's go for it. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. Come on, sing it out. When death was arrested. Ash was redeemed, and ash was redeemed, only beauty ripped. My orphan heart was given My morning to cry, my feet rose to death. Where death was arrested, my life began. Come on, sing it out. It's your grace. Oh, your grace. So free washes over me. You have made me new now. Life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us. Lift up a shout, released from our chains. Released from my chains. I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom. He faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. Where death was arrested in my life. Come on, all oh, your grace. Oh, your grace. So free washes over me. You have made me new now. Life begins with you. It's your endless love. Oh, your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new. Savior display on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoices. Come on, let's lift up a shout. Then Jesus, then Jesus
of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever, amen. Where death was arrested, my life began. Oh, we're free, free forever, we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever. Sit your crazy bottoms down. Hey, Love City. So as some of you know, I started attending this church when we were operating out of Ryan Stephanie's living room. I like looking back on those days because I get to reflect on my journey with the church, my marriage, and my walk with Christ. I found Jesus about five years ago, and it just so happens that shortly after that, I met Ryan and Stephanie. When this church started in November 2016, I was going through a lot of personal struggles that I really wasn't sure how I was going to get through. Still, I made going to church a priority, even though some Sundays I could hardly keep it together. Love City proved to be a safe place where I could come broken as I was and receive healing bit by bit. I learned that it's okay to be vulnerable and open up to people. In fact, that's the only way you can really connect. I've learned to lift my hands no matter what I have going on in my life. I've gotten to experience freedom when I honor the Lord with my words, with my thoughts, and with my finances. I've seen family members water baptized, even when the enemy tries to flood the room to stop them. And when I say flood the room, that's not a figure of speech, and I literally mean flood the room. <laughs> Um, I've learned the importance of who we surround ourselves with. Yes, we are. We have victory over the enemy, but no, we are not immune to spiritual attacks. So about a year ago, I decided to make building relationships within the church a priority. And for me, as an introvert, that had to be very intentional. And I started doing it because of my very extroverted husband. But now I'm here telling you about the changes I've seen in my life. Now I'm most excited on Sundays or nights that we have small groups. Now I'm surrounded by people who uplift and encourage me. And now I'm a part of something, part of what God's doing here at Love City Church. Come on, isn't that so cool? That like with her words, she saw breakthrough. Oh, so cool. And I like how it's the fact that it's not us trying to pretend or get on God's level, but it's actually inviting God into where we're at. When we just proclaim who he is, he comes down right where we are. It's so cool. Right, so our fourth word is Zamar. Can you guys say it with me? Zamar. Zamar. And this is specifically worshiping God with instruments, playing the instruments. In Psalm verse 7, it says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise. I will Zamar, provide a Zamar to the name of the Lord Most High. So Zamar means to touch the strings or parts of an instrument, to play upon it, to make music, accompanied by singing, but to celebrate in song and music. And God knows that music, instruments, when we hear it, it actually affects our emotions, it affects our mental state, and it affects how we feel physically. So let's just try this out for a second.
All right. So I don't know about you guys, but when the classical music, I kind of like started feeling happy. You know, you kind of go along, or like there's that that um, classical music song, like the Bumblebee one. They're just like going really fast, and you're like, oh, I all of a sudden like feel it. That like I just want to clean really fast, or <laughs> I just want to do something. Okay. And then when the rock metal comes on, you kind of feel a little angsty. You know, you kind of get that like you feel it. And then when you hear the national anthem, you're like, wow, I'm Canadian, so proud. You know, like you don't even have to try. It just like kind of just comes into you unless you're a kid in school and you're like, oh my goodness. Ugh. But <laughs> we all had those days, you know, but God loves music. He made us to be able to sing and to play instruments because like he knows that it affects us. Music is, a, is from God and it's a special way to connect to him. Darren Whitehead said this, music is more powerful than we even understand. It can soften our hearts, soothe our troubled souls. It opens a door to the spiritual world. It paves the road for the Spirit's coming. It's more powerful than we even understand. We often use it in our pastime, just kind of whatever willy-nilly, but it has power to affect us, to open us up to the spiritual world. Martin Luther said this, next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. Beautiful music is the art of the prophets that can calm the agitations of the soul. It is one of the most magnificent and delightful presents God has given us. Wow, so cool. Being able to play music can bring people into the presence of God, can bring spiritual victory, spiritual breakthrough in their lives, especially just by listening to music. All throughout the Bible, we see the power of music utilized in battles to unite an army for a specific cause. Guys, we're going to go for victory. Come on, guys. Let's worship. Let's march to the, to the sound of the music. That's it. Let's march to it. You know, let's rally together. Let's be united. It's used at times in desperate seeking of God, displayed in David's tabernacle, which is the same pattern God wants to build in our church today. Okay, music takes us to places where words can't. And when that is being done in the praise of God, under the anointing of people who are gifted to play instruments, some people can't, and that's okay, but some people are gifted naturally to play music, okay? And praise, our praise, our experience of the presence of God goes to a whole nother level when we have instruments, when we worship God with instruments. And so if you play an instrument, you can use it in your secret place, in your time with God. I remember when I was little, I played the piano. I don't have one anymore, but I would play the piano. And there were, when there was a time where I just like couldn't pray something, or I'd try to go to my word, into the Bible, but something was like blocking, and I was like, I couldn't get past it, I would go and I would start playing a worship song on the piano, or just start playing whatever came to mind, whatever notes. Sometimes it sounded great, sometimes it just did not, and I was like, ooh, that's not helping. Um, but it does something that words just can't. When we feel that block and we play music, it can take us in like kind of a back route into the presence of God. So cool. And if you play worship or you play an instrument, be a part of the worship team. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> <Zoop>. <laughs> it's in there. But God wants to use you to bring people into his presence. How cool is that? He's anointed you with a special gifting of being able to sing or to play the piano or to play the guitar so that he could use you to bring people into the presence of God where they can experience breakthrough. Musical instruments have the power to influence our emotional state and open our lives up to be influenced by the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. David and Saul did this when Saul was tormented by kind of an anxious spirit or a spirit inside of him that he heard David playing in the field or kind of around the other people. He's like, I need that boy to come. We need to hire him to come and play for me. And as soon as David just started plucking on his little guitar, his little lyre, immediately Saul's spirit would be calm. It would bring the presence of God upon Saul so that he didn't need to worry, he didn't need to be anxious, but the sound of music brought peace where words couldn't, where advice couldn't, where maybe just getting it into the Bible just isn't quite getting there. Music can get you there. Worshiping God with instruments is biblical. It moves our emotions and it opens us up to the spirits working in our lives. Let's give it up for Pastor Ryan. Come on, and we, we need a special role for our drummer, amen? We need a drummer. So I prophesied to you today, if you're a drummer, play drums. Come on, we're gonna get into this next one here. I'm gonna go through this one pretty quickly, uh, but it's Barack, not Barack Obama, but Barack. The word Barack actually literally means to kneel or to bow down. Uh, so if you don't have this in your repertoire, 
your worship uh, actions, uh, we want to encourage you to do so. Our seating's a little complicated for it, but you're welcome to kneel over there or kneel in the back or wherever you feel like you want to do this. But this idea of kneeling is used 289 times in, in the book of Psalms. And so Psalm 63, 4 says this, I will kneel before God, I will bow to bow, I will praise him as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hand. Psalm 66, 8 says, praise God, kneel before God, all you people, praise him, kneel before him everywhere and let everyone know that you love him. And so this is the idea of falling to your knees and having a posture of humility. So I want to encourage you today, if you've never kneeled before God, sometimes I think we just feel compelled. We feel so blown away by how good God is. Try this. Try just getting down on your hands and knees. Some of you do it, but try getting on your hands and knees for a moment and, uh, and, and, and just see what God does in your life. See how God ministers to you by literally physically humbling yourself in your body before God and saying, okay, God, I'm a human. Uh, I'm a body. I'm a spirit. I'm a soul. But ultimately, I am yielded to you in worship by literally bowing down before you. I'm telling you, if you've never done it before, I believe God will do something really powerful in your life. Come on, let's welcome Jessie back as she comes and Okay, so our next word is tequila. Can you say it with me? Tequila. All right. Not, yeah, not tequila. Tequila. Oh, that might help. No. So, so it's worshiping God with your own spontaneous songs of praise. You don't have to be a songwriter to do it. You don't have to be naturally gifted at singing it. It doesn't have to sound good. But the Bible tells us that when we, when we give tequila to God, when we sing, sing spontaneous songs to God, it causes him to be enthroned. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, you are holy, enthroned in the praises, the tequilas of Israel, the spontaneous songs. So they're just like, oh God, I love you, and I'm just going to sing what's in my heart. So I'm going to invite Andrew Ling. Can you come up for us? <laughs> I do. And can, can you just give it to Hila for us? But I want to make, make everyone know we did not talk to Andrew before this. No, he didn't. <laughs> I don't know if I need a microphone then. Am I supposed to close my eyes and yeah, just sing the praise? Why don't we all close our eyes for me? Yeah, help me. I lift my voice to you. I praise your holy name, God. You're enthroned on the praises of your people, Lord. You're the King of glory, Lord. I kneel before you, God. And I thank you, Jesus, for saving me from addiction, Lord. You have given us freedom, God. I praise your holy name. You're the King of glory. You're the Lord of lords. You're awesome, God. All right. A tequila, a spontaneous song that's not planned and on the spot, but it's whatever's coming to your heart about who God is. You just sing it out. Last week, I spoke on the secret place. You know, the place where our prayer and our relationship with God gets real. Tequila is the place where our worship gets real. Let's look at the story of King Jehoshaphat and the army again. Second Chronicles chapter 20, and verses 21 to 22. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord, that's the Yadah, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise to Tehillah, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Ah, the spontaneous song caused God to come down and their enemies to be defeated. So cool. Remember, it's not just a cute little song, but it's specific. They went out with lifted hands. They had their yadah. They confessed who God is. They surrendered the situation to God. They sang a song that unified them. They didn't care what anybody thinks of them. They sang, and then they sang the spontaneous song of praise that came to their heart and it caused God to be enthroned. Amen. And for God to be enthroned, it means to sit or to rest upon. And so when God is enthroned, nothing else stays in power. Wow. Right? When you're the king of a realm, no other king has the authority to do what they want in that realm. Right? So when we sing a tehillah, it enthrones God. His authority is the only one that can control our situation. And so the enemy, the doubt, 
the, the depression, the anxiety, the bad situations have no authority because we have just enthroned God on our tequilas, on our spontaneous songs of praise. This can happen at any time, day or night. You can just begin to sing your tequilas to God. You can be in your car driving to work and you know that there's a situation that's waiting for you, this conversation, that's not gonna be fun. But you can just enthrone God right into that situation and throne him on the praises so that his authority is the only one that can impact your situation. It's where it gets real with God. And it can happen in church. Whenever there's a lull in the, mu- in the music or when they're transitioning songs, you can just have the freedom to be able to sing your song to God. Who cares what the other person thinks? It's not for them. It's to enthrone God in your life, to give him the rule and him the authority in your life to sing spontaneous songs of adoration and confessing who God is. It's a conscious decision to declare a a song out loud. You gotta choose to do it. Sometimes it comes with the emotions and it just comes out and you're like, wow, that's so good. But most often you've gotta choose to do it. You gotta say, I'm gonna sing a song of how much I love God and how good he is so that he can be enthroned. And then the promise of that is God's presence comes down and it impacts the natural reality of our lives. We start seeing things happen, and it's completely spontaneous. It's from our heart to God's heart. It's where worship gets real. So we're gonna give you that opportunity right now. Why don't you guys stand up? The band's gonna hang on just one chord. Why don't you sit back down for a minute? I'm throwing a change on her here. Sit back down, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna land the plane so everyone make sure your seat backs are right up and your tray tables are up, because we're gonna land the plane here. Let's give Jesse a hand. Great job, Jesse. Just to make sure we honor your time, we want to make sure and just kind of come into this last one here. So we'll have a moment to give a spontaneous song to the Lord. I want to tell you just one quick thought on that. If you want to experience breakthrough in your life, this is one of the, this is called the key of David. Because even though David was a murderer, an adulterer, he kept sin in his heart, this, the, the key of David is called Repentance. And when we lift our song to God, what we're saying is, okay, God, I need you in my life. So I want to encourage you with that. So we'll do that in a second. But I want to come to our last word. Thank you, Jesse. You did a great job. Halal. Everyone say halal. 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 <laughs> I love doing that. <laughs> halal is used, uh, is, is basically the, to boast. This is to act madly, to be clamorously foolish before the Lord. Some of that makes you guys feel really uncomfortable. (laughs) And I want you to know, and I'm going to say this later again, but that's why we have pastors and ushers and staff and people to make sure things don't get weird up in here. So if I run for the exit, that's when we should all freak out. (laughs) But until then, you're safe. We don't believe in being weird. We don't believe in being crazy. We don't believe in being out of order. We believe that it should bring glory to God and not glory to ourselves. And so I'm going to encourage you with that today, that when I say act clamorous, I don't mean being a madman and making it all about you. I mean about not worrying about what other people think about you. The kind of praise that doesn't care about what others think. The kind of praise that says, I'm not here for you right now, I'm here for him right now. The kind of praise that says, I'm going to be like a madman a little bit maybe in your eyes, but I'm going to exalt and praise the name of Jesus Christ. That is the word halal. This word is used five times in the Psalms, in Psalms uh, verse 113. Praise, uh, act like a madman or madwoman before the Lord. Praise the Lord. Same thing. Use your servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised, both now and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. The name of the Lord is to be foolishly and clamorously and crazy praised. This word here is an interesting word, and I want to end on this last scripture here today. We see the expression of this in the life of David. David had just become the king of Israel. And he wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant. For those of you who say, I don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is. It's basically a, a place where in those days, the, the, man, like the presence of Jesus that you felt today in worship was not available to all of us. Like, well, we have to do, we don't have to talk to a man or a woman. We just get to talk to Jesus. And when we do that, we feel his presence. Man, I felt his presence during that last song. Amen. That presence was not available to everyone. Now, the omnipresence was, but the personal presence of God was found in the Ark of the Covenant. 
And David wanted the Ark of the Covenant to be where he lived. <laughs> he wanted it to be in the city of God. And so he wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to the place of God. And so he began to go through all these different ways to bring it back. And as it was coming back into Jerusalem, into the place of God, this is kind of the, the little bit of a soundbite, a picture of what happened. Look at this. David and all the people of Israel were selling. Now, our, this scripture here has almost all of our seven words. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs, Tehillah, and playing all kinds of musical instruments, Zamar, lyres, harps, tambourines, cassettes, and cymbals. And David danced, Halal, before the Lord with all of his might, wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with baraks of joy, shouts of joy, and the blowing of ram's horns. It says this, but as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, Saul was, supposed, was the king of Israel and David took his spot. Almost abruptly because Saul was not following God, David took his spot. And it says this, when, Saul, when, when, when she looked down, in, down from her window and saw David, when she saw King David leaping and dancing, this is kind of what I see for leaping. <laughs> Don't do that, that's weird. <laughs> Leaping and dancing before the Lord. She was filled with contempt for that crazy guy who was dancing at church that Sunday. She was filled with contempt for him and she despised him in her heart. But when David returned home to bless his own family, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said to discuss how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in view of all the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. Look what David said. David retorted to Michal, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father. Hello. <laughs> all his family, he appointed me as the leader of Israel and the people of the Lord. So guess what? I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to become even more undignified than this. Even to be humiliated in, look at this, my own eyes. There's the catch. Many of us are not willing to be foolish for God in His presence because our first issue is ourselves. Oh, that's just too, I don't do those things. I'm a distinguished person. I dressed nice today. I didn't bring my dancing shoes. <laughs> but look at this. This is very important. It's a spiritual truth you must catch. I want you to see this. So Michal, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life because she looked at what somebody was doing in worship. Now, here's the spiritual truth that I want to just kind of bring here to you. A big thought. People's criticism of your liberty and passion and worship will produce spiritual barrenness in their life. But don't let it affect your worship. And on the other hand, be careful not to be the one despising people. Now remember, like I said, we're not about making it weird in here. We're not about people making it all about them. Some people dance and worship and do things and we know it's not really about the Lord. It's about kind of attention to yourself. And I want to encourage you. I don't want to offend anybody today, but come on. We want to have orderly, healthy, good environment where we exalt the Lord and practice these seven words of worship, but in an orderly fashion in which God is celebrated, not we are celebrated. But don't allow your perspective or judgment of someone else's worship to cause spiritual barrenness in your life. You say, I would never do such a thing. Well, I want to warn you, I want to encourage you today. Maybe that's one of the reasons you're not seeing breakthrough in your walk with God is because you're not allowing yourself to break free of your pride or maybe your fear or maybe your, 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 your upbringing or your perspective. God wants you to be foolish before Him. Like, break out of the world. Maybe you're here today and you've never raised your hand in church before and we just taught you, Come on, maybe today you can yada or tada. You can just say, okay, I've never done this before, but I'm gonna try it out. I'm gonna be foolish before the Lord. Or maybe you're here today say, man, I've always just stood still. I've never done anything other than like, you know, lift my voice, like, oh Lord Jesus. Today, I'm gonna shout. All right, God. Okay. Maybe today and you say, you know what? I just generally stay in my spot. I don't really move around. I'm not one of those mover arounders. But today I'm gonna I'm gonna get on my knees. I know this is crazy, it's foolish, but I'm gonna get on my knees and I'm gonna worship the Lord. I wanna make a promise to you in your life that if you begin to practice these seven Hebrew words of praise, 
if you begin to lift your hands, if you begin to be here on time so that we can worship together, that's a little plug there too, be there on time to worship together. If you want to be here today and you want to barack by shouting or you want to, you want to, you want to, uh, uh, you want to, uh, uh, oh, I want to keep thinking Obama, Barack, shouting, kneel, Shabak, shout, there we go. <laughs> it's a name association. If you want to do those things, I want to make a promise to you that you will experience scattered enemies, breakthrough in your life, transformation in your heart. And the biggest one for me, religious, religious ideas and spirits will go and you'll see freedom and you'll see a relationship with Christ and you'll see breakthrough in your heart. Say, Ryan, really? All from doing those things? Yes, because the Bible teaches it. That this is the way the New Testament church should be worshiping. The New Testament church does not worship like this. The New Testament church doesn't worship by not engaging. That's not how God taught us to worship in the book of Psalms. And the reason I'm so passionate about today because I want you to experience spiritual transformation in your life. I want you to experience breakthrough in your life. I want you to experience victory and freedom in your life. Amen. And it comes to exalting the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, stand to your feet tonight or this morning. Stand up. Come on, we're going to sing one last song and then we're going to go today. Come on, James. sing this song. You are here. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you.
good promise keep light in the darkness my god that is who you are even when i don't see you to Tehillah right now. Just practice it. We worship you, Lord. Great is your name. Come on, we Tehillah you today, God. We praise you today, Lord. Lord, I know this is uncomfortable, God, but I worship you. I exalt your name, oh God. Great is your name, God. We worship you, Jesus. Your name is high and lifted up, oh God. We worship you, God, today. Let your name be magnified in all the earth, oh God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, every eye closed in this place. Come on, we're over our time today, but just every eye closed in this place. Come on, this is a great moment for those in the room today who don't know Jesus that would like to give their lives to him. Everything we talked about today, our God gives breakthrough in your life. Our God brings peace in peaceless situations. Our God brings hope when there's no hope. Our God brings life where there's only death. Our God is the creator God. His name is Jesus. And today, you can start a journey with him. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to know about all this stuff. You don't have to understand it all. All you have to know today is that Jesus Christ died on a cross and he rose on the third day. It's proven through our historical evidence that Jesus Christ rose on the third day and he did that to give you new life. That you might spend an eternity with him and even you have a relationship with Jesus Christ right now on this earth. Come on, with every eye closed in this place, salvation is in the house of God today. You're here today and you say, Ryan, I don't understand it all, but I would like to start a journey in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'd like to raise my hand today to say I want that. Come on, and with every eye closed, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray with you. So if you raise your hand for a moment on the count of three, I'm going to say a prayer. I won't call you out, but I want to meet you after the service. Come on, church, on the count of three. I'm going to count to three, and today you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. Heaven's waiting for you right now. Jesus is waiting for you right now. I can't wait. Come on, on the count of three. One. Come on, don't be shy. Raise that hand. I won't embarrass you. Number two. Come on, right now. We declare it, God. You're the king of the earth. And you want to save people's lives. Come on, one, two, three. Come on, go ahead and put your hand in the air today. Come on. Praise God. Come on. Wow. Praise the Lord. Come on, guys. Three people just gave their lives to Jesus today. Come on, keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. Come on, this is, God is here in this place today. He's bringing salvation to those who are lost, but now today, they're found. Come on, church, repeat after me. Everyone in the room, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I came here today in need of you. I felt something today I'd never felt before. And I believe it's your presence. I know that I need you in my life. I feel lost at times. And today, I want to give my life to you. I want to go on a journey with you. I want to be a follower of you and have a new start in my life. 
It's a new day, Jesus. I want to follow you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, church. Put your hands together today. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.